Take some rest. These borders are well protected. I will find no rest here. I heard her voice inside my head. She spoke of my father and the fall of Gondor. And she said to me, even now there is hope left. But I cannot see it. It is long since we had any hope. My father is a noble man. His rule is failing. And uh, our... our people lose faith. He looks to me to make things right, and I, I would do it. I would see the glory of Gondor restored. Have you ever seen his Aragorn? White Tower of Echthalion, glimmering like a spike of pearl and silver. Its banners caught high in a morning breeze. Have you ever been called home by the clear ringing of silver trumpets? I've seen the White City. Long ago. One day, our paths will lead us there. And the Tower Guard shall take up the call. The Lords of Gondor have returned. fair to say this is one of your favorite movies ever i think the series is is up there for sure i think this may be my least favorite of the three in the series but like you do have to watch it to get to the other ones (laughs) that is true that is true um i would argue that the series is one of my favorite things on film okay i'm assuming you like it more than star wars yeah i like them for different reasons Star Wars, I think, is really great. And I like that they added a bunch of lore on afterwards. But like when I need to like deep dive into a world that I don't get like upset about, Lord of the Rings to me is a much more like complete world that I can spend time in than Star Wars consistently is. Mm-hmm. I would say that probably the original trilogy of Star Wars and the original trilogy of Lord of the Rings are probably tied for me. Okay. But any other Star Wars content to me is is inferior by a fair margin. Fair enough. Fair enough. So what draws you in so deeply to Lord of the Rings? Yeah. So the first time that I watched it, I don't think I knew what it was. In the interest of full disclosure, I've only read half of the first book. I've never actually read them all all the way through. Mostly because I have a shitty airport copy that's falling apart and just trying to hold it together text, tests my patience and I've never bought myself a nice coffee. So, you know, call me a fake nerd if you want. But <laughs> I remember watching the movie for the first time with my dad and thinking that the world just felt so full. Okay. 
I won't say real, but real. Sure, there are elves and goblins and orcs, but like those are real in that world. And it, it is yeah. never questioned that those are real things. And there yeah. are hobbits and they've got cozy little hobbit rooms at like hotels because they know that there are hobbits. And <laughs> the fact that all of that was thought of in the world, I think made the world feel so much more inhabitable to me right from the jump. Oh, yeah. Which then allows you to invest a little bit more in the people you are seeing. And there's something to me that I find so fulfilling about the joy in this movie. And it becomes increasingly less as the movies go on, as the quest becomes more and more challenging. Yeah, but, I can kind of get, I can kind of tell that. But when Frodo sees Gandalf for the first time, and that joy, and that <laughs> really, it's it's a really beautiful, earnest thing. Even when they run into Merry and Pippin for the first time, and there's that joy, even though they're kind of annoyed at them, but they're still, oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, it's so good to see you. <laughs> The genuineness of that joy contrasts so sharply with the intensity of the fear. Yeah. I had nightmares about Nazgul's like well into my teenage years. Jeez, really? God damn. Yeah. I watched that movie for the first time when I was like seven or eight. Man. And specifically the fact that they look weightless but are made of metal really yeah. like threw me off as a kid. But one thing that I, I also really love about the movie and I feel is like worth noticing is like everything, every stitch, every piece of blacksmithing is done on purpose. Yeah. And it creates a, a lush world. Yeah. Definitely. And and it's something that makes me want to revisit it over and over again. Now, as I've gotten older, uh, I've cycled through my my fair set of uh, like Lord of the Rings like crushes because, you know, that's what happens. <laughs> But the thing that struck me on my most recent rewatch is genuine male friendship. Yeah. And very real male love. There is very little toxic masculinity that isn't addressed through the course of the narrative. Yeah, I would definitely agree after the first movie. And it gets honestly like a little more overtly feminist as time goes on. But like there's the initial sequence with Arwen who I love. I love Arwen. I think she's wonderful. (laughs) Arwen and Aragorn, where he's like, I'll take him because he's with me. And she's like, but I'm a faster rider. And he's like, she's, she is right. And it's at that point, it becomes not a question. Yeah. You know, it, it is not, oh, but she's a girl. She's like, I'm the faster rider. I know my way around. He's like, you're right. Take him. The men knowing when to let other people lead, whether that is Sam, because he knows how to cook a meal whether that's Aragorn because he knows the area, you know, whether that's Arwen because she's a faster rider. Yeah. It makes the team a team. I think it makes you care about all of them a little bit right away because you see that all of them have something to do. So I think one of the things that I did when watching this movie, and this is legit like the fourth time I tried watching this movie. And when I was in college, I tried and it didn't necessarily work and i tried again and it didn't work and i tried again like i think a couple of years ago and it didn't hit and for this watch i was really trying to figure out why was it not translating and it wasn't necessarily that i wasn't getting it but i was really thinking about this movie compared to other sci-fi movies and everything you're saying is right is i completely absorbed but in sci-fi 
you really don't have this kind of camaraderie or even lore that's even built out you see genuine love (laughs) you don't see that in sci-fi movies at all (laughs) you see so many different types of genuine love also i cry pretty much every time sam runs into the water Oh uh, yeah, that was uh, that was some or... heartfelt shit. Frodo! Mr. Frodo! No, Sam. Go back, Sam! I'm going to Mordor alone. Of course you are! And I'm coming with you! You can't oh. swim! Oh. 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 Sam! Oh. Mr. Frodo, a promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Or when Boromir gets kind of his senses back and he's realized what he's caused, but he has decided to fight it out because he knows that he needs to, to fulfill his end of the fellowship. And this is what that has brought him. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I love the extended editions so much, by the way, is they do extend Boromir's plot a little bit. You get to see a little bit more history of him as a character. And it really fleshes him as well as Gondor, like the kingdom he is from, out in a a really beautiful way that they just cut for time in the original. So like you don't lose anything because it's not there, but you gain a lot because it is. But like you see so many different types of, of love. Even Gimli's love for Galadriel you know, it's it's silly and it's mostly played for jokes, but like that is real and it is there and is present. And I think it's off-putting for some people. And even I was comparing this to like something I love, Game of Thrones. And that show, even though you get ingrained in the different houses, it doesn't necessarily build lore. Like it doesn't build it in a positive way. Like you, like you get the history. But it's one of those things to where you're you're dealing with politics, you're dealing with murder, you're dealing with incest, you're dealing with like all these wild concepts like right away that you don't even really get time to even love the Starks. Like you either fuck with them right away, you don't fuck with them right away. Yeah. And that's vastly different than this movie because it's like, you know what? Let's just take some time to show motherfuckers actually build their community. Yeah. Like show motherfuckers like having a good time at a birthday party. There's no birthday celebration at any point during the Game of Thrones show at fucking all. And I think the starkness of that. I know for me, I can only speak for myself, that shit is pretty jarring. And so I think it did take me a while to kind of appreciate 
you know, I don't need to see, you know, beheadings, you know, every five minutes in the fucking movie. And <laughs> I don't want to pressure you, but I do think that the second and third movies have some of the cleanest combat that's filmed the best okay. of any <laughs> fantasy series. I'm, I'm being very honest. I was right. honestly kind of floored rewatching it because I realized like, oh, this is my standard for big fight sequences because you know yeah. where your guys are and you know what they're doing and you can tell where everybody is on the side of a freaking mountain in New Zealand. There's no reason. <laughs> and, and oh, by the way, there are 50,000 enemy people, but we still know where our five guys are or whatever. The first one is a lot of setup because it's like, basically act one and one and a half of like your trilogy right yeah but two and three have their fair share of like i won't say game of thrones-esque stuff because no but like it's got its (laughs) fair share of battles and political intrigue and stuff like that but the thing that i think i love the most about lord of the rings is that it, it gives you time to rest and it gives you time especially once you get towards the end of the movies you've spent time in middle earth You see what's worth saving. Yeah. When they are talking about how if they don't succeed, the world is over. You've gotten to fall in love with the world and like people in it that you haven't seen for three movies at this point. But like you remember them and you care about them. And I think it's really beautifully done in in a way that a lot of movies just don't do because they don't think it's worthwhile. Yeah, even if you think of Star Wars, in any Star Wars trilogy that that has been, you don't see what's worth fighting for. And that's why we, we talk about The Last Jedi a lot, but they at least attempted to show you kind of the different sides of we go beyond just the uh, Skywalkers versus the Empire. We at least try to show you different people that are of this universe that aren't of a legacy but the other movies like you don't see like special relationships of just regular schmegler people and and i'm thinking of even like i mean you don't do this show like star trek i mean fuck mcu movies you don't really do that i think it is interesting to spend time with people to actually figure out like what these people are really trying to save like yeah like tony stark trying to save new york all right motherfucker i don't live in new york (laughs) but 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 i know that there's some stories of people in new york that are kind of heartfelt that i want to you know try to find saving and i think that's why people are so attracted to the spider-man shit because even though it's like boots on the ground yeah you are seeing his city that he is trying to save. I think it's a, a daredevil does a similar thing, by the way, where you're like, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. He's like, this is, listen, these are the like 30, the 30 blocks that I work in and I love every one of them. And like that works. Yeah. I think that you see traces of some of this storytelling in other stories. Yeah. But I think the thing that I keep coming back to is is the fact that the heroes of these movies, not even regular, they're like kind of below regular. One of them's <laughs> a fucking gardener. Like he's not, you know, like at least Spider-Man was probably smart enough to get an MIT. This guy is a gardener. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and I think that seeing they have everybody in their company from a gardener to a son of a king 
Yeah. And when it comes down to it, they are all equal parts of the nine. Yeah. Even though this movie ends with them splintered and with one of two of them dead, two. you know, you you care the the like silence where the sun barely seems to be lighting the sky after Gandalf has passed. Yeah. Is hard to watch. Yeah. I mean, you do feel like this you, is your grandfather that dies. Did you like it like at all? Like, I, I know it's like a learning curve, but like, did you did you feel like you kind of at least get it a little or where are we coming I, down on this? Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. Special shout out to B. Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the WrestleCast Power Hour. And it's available everywhere podcast or streams so everybody check them out you know the godfather will and it's time once again for everybody at the hyphen podcast group to come aboard the whole train smell your latest sweaty marks so i i got it i I think my biggest hurdle is that thing of I'm really so inundated with not spending time with people mm-hmm. that I I found myself getting anxious to like, all right, we got this birthday party, um, you know, um, but hearing you actually kind of talk it out and kind of thinking about, I see why people really fuck with Frodo. And I do see why people really fuck with Sam because I do think there is a genuineness to their relationship. And the funny thing is I really did get that in the the final scene where it's like, you know, he's not going to drown. You know, it's going to save him, but you have to see him save him. And it's like, you know what? I think I actually get it. And even when um, Sean Bean's character, even though he, he obviously dies and there's just some part of him that's overwhelmed by, you know, the lore of the ring. It's just one yeah. of those things to where any good person has temptation and it is up to them in some cases to get saved. And even though he did die and even though he was kind of attracted to the ring in my watching of it, I did feel that he was someone that even though he had those kind of moments of weakness, he was worth being a part of the fellowship like he was a good he was a good dude underneath that all underneath it all he, he proved his worth and then some. yeah he proved that he was beneath it all a good man and i think that the thing that and i don't want to spoil this too much because i i hope that you will watch the next one at least but his optimism of i can't wait for you to meet my father to aragorn i can't wait for him to know you've come at last is so misplaced that you know that is what the ring latched onto. Yeah. It latched onto the person in the group with the most hope. And it's yeah. it is increasingly disturbing to see what he had to live through to have that hope, but also how how wrong that hope was. And it it makes it all really like it's sad. His story yeah. is really sad. But also in the next movie and the subsequent movie, I think there's a lot less like fucking about at a birthday party and a lot <laughs> I, more I like, that. 
the second one starts pretty quickly. We now have like three plots, right? Because our, our team is yeah. kind of split. Starts pretty quickly with the plots. I will say that the Marion Pippin plot is probably the slowest of the three, but I think it pays off really well. But you kind of have to just buckle yourself in for some patience with them because their plot is the slow burn plot of the movie. Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas are kind of the action plot. And Frodo and Sam are are the quest plot. They're still trying to do the thing. And it culminates in a really, like, honestly, I was still surprised. Like, I keep watching these movies and expecting me to be like, oh, that's obvious CGI now. Like, it with my 2022 <laughs> eyes. And it keeps not being. They did a, a beautiful job with it, even in the extended editions, a lot of which was, like, added later. But it feels very seamless. Two Towers is objectively the best movie. That's the next one. But Return of the King is my favorite. Okay. So I think for me, I'm not a completionist, but I do think that if I did get the whole, I would appreciate the parts more. And so I have it on right now and they're doing the fireworks shit with Gandalf, whatever. And there's no real moments of joy that you kind of really get for science fiction and i know this is fantasy it's not science fiction obviously but i'm more of a science fiction kind of guy so i think i do need to complete it to appreciate the first one more Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's bad so i think that's a victory for taking four times yeah (laughs) so i also think that the extended editions give you more character I agree. There's a lot it, of character for hours. Yeah, it, it. But I also think like because a lot of the movies going forward are a little more action heavy. That four hours at the start, by the end of the next eight hours after this, you're like, oh man, I'm so glad I knew who everybody was going into this. Um, <laughs> yeah. But also, like, they're still so pretty. <laughs> like the Shire is so beautiful. And the shots of, of New Zealand are, are beautiful. And I desperately wish to go visit someday because I'm a small child at heart who wants to like go in cottagecore clothing and run through the Shire. Hilarious. But I want you to live that dream, by the way. It's going to be super cringe when it happens, but it's going to be the best day of my life. Hilarious. No cringe. Also, can I tell a brief Lord of the Rings anecdote that will probably make you laugh? Okay. So when I was seven years old, uh, the Lord of the Rings exhibit came to the Museum of Science. So a lot of it was about like how they did CGI and stuff like that. And it was really cool, actually. I hadn't seen the movies yet, so I didn't know. Like, I think we watched the movies after this because of the exhibit. And I went with my dad. My mom was out of town. And I was in second grade. So in second grade, you like wrote weekend journals. Did you have that where they were like, what did you do this weekend? Oh, yeah. I remember those. Yeah. And the last thing in the Lord of the Rings exhibit that you see is Boromir in a canoe suspended from the ceiling. Okay. (laughs) And I wrote, my mom was out of town this weekend, so I spent more time with my dad. And I saw a dead man in a canoe. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yo, what the fuck? I know they were fucking tripping with that one. Holy shit. And like, I then, I think, went on eventually to talk about the Lord of the Rings exhibit. And I think someone was able to piece two and two together. But I very clearly remember there being three question marks next to it in my journal, which I had never had before. 
that is a three question mark situation. I'll tell you that much. And anyway, I think about that a lot. That also, my dad is six foot two and they had a thing that would tell you what type of character you were based on your height. So I was like seven. So I was a hobbit. My uh, dad is like six, six, two to six, three, depending on the height of shoe. And they told him he was a cave troll. Jesus Christ. That's so fucking funny. I would say this is the best Liv Tyler has looked in a movie like ever, but it gets better in the second one. She's the most beautiful dress I've ever seen in my whole life. And she spends most of it on a fainting couch crying. And it's, it's so good. It's so good. Mark Rob. It's so good. She's perfect. And I I say that as someone who like admires her so much, but like, she's also the root of every self-esteem problem I've ever had. Like she is perfect. Shout out to the cancer babies across the world. She's Hugo Weaving's daughter, but no, I knew that. Yeah, she's but. giving up her humanity or her her elvishness, rather not her humanity. She's giving up her <laughs> elvishness because Aragorn will age and die. I, he will I, age I, slow because he's half elf. But she's she is choosing to cease to be an elf, which is the thing they can do. She's choosing to be mortal yeah. to to age and die with her lover. Um, yeah, that was actually a pretty gnarly speech. Uh, well, not speech, but the dialogue that they have for that scene. And I love the totem of the... Uh, the, the even star. The, it looks like something else to me. <laughs> uh, but no, I thought that scene was pretty gnarly in a good way. In a good and way. It's, it's beautifully lit. Like one thing that I love is that the elves are all framed like Art Nouveau pieces. Yeah, <laughs> there are yeah. always things hanging and encapsulating them and framing them. And it's so beautiful. Yeah, she becomes more of a factor as as time goes on. But there's a there's another woman character who's about to become like a main a main character that's going to be introduced to. I also think is just wonderful. And it's so nice because they are two different, very different types of women. And both of them are validated by the narrative. And considering oh, yeah. when these books came out and also when these movies were made, that's kind of surprising. So this is um, Two Towers, you say? Yep. My watch has begun. I'm so excited for you. I hope that you, I hope that you, even if you don't love it, you are able to like engage with it. I think you will be. I think I would be able to. And I see even on Letterboxd, of all the people that I follow on Letterbox, four people to give it up a five stars. Are we going to do an episode? <laughs> um, I mean, do you want to? Do we want to just add like half an hour sections onto our uh, our next couple episodes where you just explain to me why you like it? Hilarious. If you don't like it, please don't be too mean. I'll cry. Have I ever had a mean opinion on this here uh, broadcasted show? I don't don't know, but I'm afraid. Follow Kat at Kat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Kat and Mark. Be sure to read us at catseasmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob.wordpress.com This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?